Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast, episode 108, the podcast where we talk about photography, videography, and anything that's got anything to do with any of that. Or now, none of that. Or, <laughs> or none of that, as it were, <laughs> you know. Um, now, if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, then you may have already figured out that due to its vastly superior audio quality, <laughs> we are in fact back in the same room. <laughs> And you're back in the room. And I'm back in the room. Yeah. Uh, we should beam me in. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Scotty. So yeah, back in the room, man. Back in the same country. Yeah. Well, hey. Yeah. I was going to say, it's been a few weeks since we've actually been uh, face-to-face. Yeah. It was walking... In any, any capacity. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt that walking up to your place, you know, from the mm. car, I'm like, I haven't been here in a month yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been pleasant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, peaceful. <laughs> You're very, very quiet. Yeah, no, it's good. You got your uh, your passport all sorted. Yeah, finally. And that's uh, you know it's important. Bit of an odyssey, uh, but you know. Uh, okay, here's a question for you. Uh, if you had to put a cost, oh. including your time and at physical physical cost as well, as to what this. Has co- yeah has cost you? Hmm. What would you what would you say it is? I mean, I don't even want to add my time into it, but you just you know, just if you think like the amount of flights, because I had to fly to Cologne and uh, and then I had to um, you know take trains, taxis, like literally you know planes, trains, and automobiles to get to various good, places. Good movie. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, get to various places to pick up. You know, various. Bits of paper, um, you know, it, yeah, it, you know, and paying for the, first of all, paying for the express passport. Oh, yeah. But then also paying for the emergency passport, um, you know, and then also before that, I mean, you know, I had to get uh, various bills notarized and stuff, you know, over here in the UK. So, I, I mean, yeah, it was the most expensive passport I've ever had. Are we talking all in, you know, hundreds of pounds or have we crossed over into... No, we crossed over into the thousand. Oh, yeah. and how many days has this taken you to deal with? Well, I mean, in Ger- I, I was probably in Germany for two weeks. <sighs> um, but, uh, you know, I mean, obviously it went on beforehand yeah. <clears throat> for a good... Uh, Six, six weeks, two months, something like that. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, you could do you could you could work while you're out there. Um, yeah, I could uh, do some at least, stuff, at least in some capacity. Yeah, true. I mean, you know, I, there was just lots of stuff I had to shift around, obviously. So that was you know, and I'm catching up on it now. So um, that's a little stressy over the next few weeks. But you know, I mean, I was lucky that I had places to stay because yeah. you know, under normal circumstances, if I hadn't been able to stay with family, um, I would have had to foot that cost as well. You know, so so that doesn't even come into it. But, you know, uh, yeah, it was, it was costly, but, but necessary, you know, that's the, that's the yeah, thing. that's it. That's it. Because the thing, I, th- I think what people don't realize is that, <clears throat> you know, for, for me, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a foreign citizen, I'm living in the UK. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so my passport is directly linked to my settlement status and all the rest of it. So it becomes more important than, I guess, you know, if, if you're a German citizen, you live in Germany, you don't have a passport for a few months, it doesn't necessarily matter that much. I mean, same if you're like a UK citizen and you live here and you don't have a passport. I mean, it's not the end of the world, you know, if you have to wait months you know, to get that. But, you know, f- for me, it's, it's different because I am a foreign citizen here. And, um, you know, and so it has an impact on a number of different things. Um, and so it was really important to, to get that sorted out. Um, I think the one thing I've learned other than you know, obviously being aware of expiry dates and all that is, uh, is really, I, I don't think I'll, I'll ever complain about British bureaucracy ever again. Oh, you will. <laughs> well, not after what I've, uh, not after what I've experienced uh, in Germany. That was a, that was a shocker. Um, you know, that really was incredible. Um, first of all, the runaround, but but also this reliance on paper on paper still. Yeah. You know, and the, the sort of total ignorance we, when it comes to technology is just We do criticize our government a lot for these types of processes. But it it's only people like you who have to deal with two different countries, right? Yeah. Um who can really see the differences. And you would I would expect a country like Germany to be 
all over this type of thing. <laughs> yes, well. And if they're not, maybe we're not so bad here with these type of processes. No, I think, you know, there's a number of things actually that have become very apparent. And, um, you know, and also it's been a little bit of a reality check, really. You know, there were simple things. I mean, first of all, the, the whole thing about, like, having to deal with paper forms when it comes to government things and, you know, mm. having to travel halfway across the country to pick up, you know, uh, a police record that was essentially a blank piece of paper, you know, uh, because he had to do it in person. It was just, that sort of thing seems ridiculous nowadays. I mean, you should be able to do that somehow electronically, yeah. you know, or at least, you know, they should be able to forward it electronically, but no, you have to actually show up um, in person, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's one thing, but there were little things um, that I found really surprising. Like, um, I remember actually waiting, you know, waiting for the plane at Stuttgart Airport and there was a McDonald's there. And in good old camera shake tradition, I had to clearly, you know, sample the, the local produce. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, I'm, and it's, it looks very Ooh, much... It tastes exactly the same. Well, well I mean, so, <laughs> you know, I went, um, you know, I went in the, and it looks exactly the same. Like they have the, you know, the, the touchscreen um, ordering interfaces and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. It's exactly the same. Um, and they have some interesting additions to the menu, like the chili and cheese burger. Kraken. Yep. And a mac rib, which is a permanent, permanent item on the menu. So, so all that's... Why, why is that in America and Germany, but not here? Explain I, I, that to me. I really don't, I don't know. Um, but you know, the mac rib has been, and that's always been a staple part of the McDonald's menu ever since I was a kid. I mean, it's, it's just like the Big Mac, you know? So I don't know why, why that isn't here. What the know. hell? I guess, I mean, that's regional differences. I mean, the chili and cheese looked really interesting, you know, um, but anyway, so without going into depth as far as the menu is concerned. I don't know. I could spend an hour talking about it. <laughs> well, I've already made a burger today. So <laughs> um, but um, so, you know, I, I, I put in my order and um, and then when it came to, to payment, you know, I was standing there with my Apple Watch and trying to, trying to pay. Nothing's happening. I'm thinking like, uh, oh, that's weird. Well, maybe it doesn't work. So anyway, get my phone out, hold my phone against the thing and it's not working. And... You know, sometimes, I mean, even here, sometimes when you pay for a parking ticket, it, it doesn't really read the phone and you have to then get out of your car. Occas mm -hmm. Very occasionally that happens. Um, and I kind of thought, maybe it's maybe it's just something to do with that. So I get my, you know, my card out, you know, I hold it against the reader thing, nothing. And then I notice is that they just don't have a tap function. So you have to literally stick your card in, punch in your Good pin number. God. I know. And so, you know, I was like, wow, that's... That's so, so 2020. 2020. <laughs> yeah, so 2016, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, like immediately I kind of thought, oh man, how backwards is that? And it's like, yeah, that's incredible. But of course the reality is, we're, you know, we've, we've gotten used to this sort of technology really quickly. The, you, yeah. you know, the US are only just starting to get contactless. Really? Okay. In fact, I'm not even sure they do yet. There might have some, but they are only just starting to get, what the hell? I can't remember I just can't remember. I mean, uh, last time... I, I actually don't take my wallet out anymore. No, me neither. I mean, this, this is a conversation I had um, with with a couple of people. I don't carry cash. Yeah, I mean, so, so this was this was a real thing. Actually, this this was a real thing um, in Germany. They really... Um, I do actually carry a penny with me at all times. <laughs> yeah, well. And that, that's literally just to put... What is um, see a penny, pick it up all day long. You have to that's just to tie it in um, plates onto the bottom of my camera. It's not for anything mm. else. <laughs> so, you know, um, the, so the cash thing is, is really interesting because, um, so I think Apple Pay and stuff is starting to become possible in, in Germany, but it's not, but far not as prevalent as it is here. Mm. But um, the, the cash thing is, is really is a thing. Like there are a lot of places where you can't pay by card. Um, mainly, you know, small amounts. So, you know, for example, you go to the bakery and they just don't take card. So you have to have cash. Mm. And so when... Tax evaders. Well, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just it's just a thing. They just, you know, oh, they no, don't want to no, pay no. the card fees or the transaction fees or whatever it is, whatever the reasoning is. Or maybe it's just distrust in technology or I have no idea. But, um, you know, it's, it's this thing where you have to handle cash and then you get change. And I don't really know what to do with that change anymore because I don't have a wallet, mm. you know? Uh, so I basically, whenever I, I came back from some shopping, 
you know, endeavor or something, I would give all the, the coinage to my mom. Just, you know, like, you have a, just, you know, I don't know where to put it. It's just in my pocket, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's just, a, it's different. <clears throat> and of course, you know, I mean, the reality is it really it hasn't been that long that it was similar here. It's just, we've gotten, maybe because of the pandemic, we've gotten used to not paying the cat really, really quickly. Because I remember like throughout the pandemic, there was literally a two year period where I didn't even touch a coin mm-hmm. or, or a note or anything. You know, um, I completely just used my phone. Of course, you didn't want to touch coins or anything like that or, or, or you know, banknotes or anything because of fear of transmitting the virus and whatnot. But, you know, now I don't even take my cards out with me anymore. It's, you have a phone, my Apple Watch, oh, and that's okay. it. That's you know? it. So, yeah. I mean, speaking of Apple, do you see their announcement that they're, they're taking on, uh, like, Klarna and whatever the other one's called? Um, so you can now... If you pay for something using Apple Pay, you'll get the option to pay for it in installment, interest-free installments. I did not see that. Mm, that's part of their announcement ye- yesterday. Well, yesterday as we record this. Right, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know when it's coming or which countries it's coming to. I'm guessing the US it will come to. That's probably a good thing. I mean, you've always been able to finance stuff, you know, through Apple. Mm. Um but uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's a good... Cool, right? That's a good cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it could be interesting. Um, you know, when you pay for your, all your McDonald's, just put all of that on the uh, <laughs> the free the free, insta- free monthly install- wow. installments, and you can see how much you really spend on it. <laughs> I know how much I spend on McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> or I did, actually. I haven't yeah. really... I haven't indulged as much over the last month, so... But they, they also announced the M2 chip. Yeah, I saw that. Finally, which I didn't really look at it too much because I... I have the M1 Max, and I'm not changing it. So, so I, as as I understand it, it's it's it was some it's something like 25 percent. Forgive, I read it quickly. It's something like 25 percent faster than the M1 chip. So interesting thing, because I had a look at that, um, and so they're basically coming out with a MacBook Pro and a MacBook Air. Yeah. Um, with the M2 chip. Okay, and. Um, we talk about the, the pricing there, which I find odd, but we'll talk about that in a second. But, but basically, uh, imagine on the MacBook Pro, um, if, you, if you're working with like a photo editor like Affinity, uh, you get a 40% speed increase. Mm-hmm. That's something, you know, 40%, is, that's, pretty, that's pretty nifty. Um, you can, on the, on the MacBook Pro, you can, play book, uh, you can play back 11 streams of 4K or two streams of 8K video. Mm-hmm. So if you're, you know, if you're that way inclined, then that's obviously um, an improvement. I'm not sure what the situation is on the uh, M1 Max, but I forget now. But um, so you know, that's just a definitive speed increase there. Um, for the MacBook Air, it's twenty uh, percent faster in Photoshop and thirty-eight percent faster in Final Cut. Which actually, I have to say, Final Cut runs very, very well, even on my uh, You're the last Intel, weren't you? Yeah, it's the last Intel. Ten so. core, or is it twenty yeah. twenty? Something like, I Something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's that's impressive, you know. Um, the other thing that's new is is with the MacBook Air. There's a there's a new 1080 camera, which apparently has um, double the resolution of the previous camera, um, and there's also some like software. Um, stuff that they've improved. Um, so basically, it just you know it gives you a, a better a better image, higher resolution on the, Ooh, on the building 1080p. camera. But, <laughs> but none of that may actually be relevant anymore because mm-hmm. of another Apple announcement that we'll talk about in a second. But let's come back to the pricing. So the pricing is there. So the new MacBook Pro um, with the M2 chipset or chip um, is going to retail for uh, $1,299 US dollars, right? $1,299. Base, base, base model. Yeah, 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 from, yeah. right? The MacBook Air starts at $1,199. So it's $100 different. So that's, that seems, somebody explain that to me. Like if you're listening to this, you know, I'm not an expert on, on these things at all, but you know, uh... that's $100. Like what's the point? What, uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, there's that. So um, I need one more. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah. So is that their way of saying the Mac? Is this their final MacBook Air? Is this their way of saying, you know, we're bringing down the price of our MacBook Pros? Well, so I mean, things are going to change anywhere for Apple um, because uh, I, I've never really understood just, the point of just life. today. Actually, in fact, so this makes it three Apple announcements. Um, but uh, just I think today or yesterday or something, the EU announced they're moving forward with uh, this new legislation to say that electronic devices from 2024 onwards will all have to have USB-C plugs. Okay. So that's going to be a EU directive, which basically means any, and this is not retrospective, by the way, so any new models from then on. So any iPhones will not be able to use the lighting mm -hmm. um, connector anymore in the future. It'll all have to be USB-C. And of course, Apple originally well, that's was fine. very happy about that. So but I, I don't know why they wouldn't be happy. They've moved everything else anyway. Yeah, I think that the argument is that generally speaking, that it stifles innovation because then as a manufacturer, you don't really have an opportunity to develop something that's better than, than USB-C. You're kind of stuck with that. And I can see that argument. But on the That argument I can see for sure. On the flip side, the reason why the EU are bringing in this um, legislation is because they want to avoid, or they want to drastically reduce electronic waste no the, the, it's the, no this is the right thing to do standardization across these kind of ports has been crying out for for a sure. long time Absolutely. but it has to have the flexibility that as soon as something better is created that mm. legislation is then passed that from this point forward so everyone's got time to adapt mm. for several years it doesn't matter what it is it needs to be this yeah, so there, needs, there needs to be some kind of process i guess yeah but and and everybody needs. Uh, I don't know if everybody listening or watching understands what USB C actually means. USB C is just the connector type. Yes, yeah, so yeah, that's right. Yeah. It is. That's all it is. You can have two different type of cables with the same connector type on the end. This is where it gets confusing because it's not really happened before like that. Mm. So you can have a USB C connector, which I think everybody's probably familiar with now. Mm. And the two different types of cable you can come ha come off it and they're very different mm. is a Thunderbolt 3 or Thunderbolt 4 cable. And I'm probably missing Thunderbolt 2. Just forgive me. I'm trying to give a general principle across, which are super fast. Mm -hmm. um, I, if I remember rightly, Thunderbolt 4 is, or 3 or 4 is like 40 gigabits. I forget. Well, it doesn't matter. Mm. It's fast. And that's related to, that's Mac. Mm. Um, you can also have USB 3.1, 3.2, whatever it is. Again, I forget, just forgive me the terminology. You get the point, go research it yourselves. That is fast too, mm. but not as fast. Mm. Um, so if you want to, um, you know, for example, my, my UAD interface that I use, has to have a Thunderbolt 4 connection with a USB-C connector. It cannot mm. use a cable, which is a USB connector, USB-C connector and a USB 3. whatever it is, yeah. cable. It won't work it's not fast enough. Right, and so it also has something to do with um, powering a device because... Um, that too. So when we when we first tried out the uh, the video mic, the, you know, the Rode video mic go-tos, um, I actually bought the wrong cable to connect it to my phone. Mm. Because the, the great thing about the video mic uh, too is that you can use it, you can connect it to your um, laptop or your computer, you can connect to your camera, but you can also connect to your phone. So if you're, you know, if you're a content creator and you're filming stuff with your phone or you're using it for FaceTime and you want to get better audio or whatever, you can actually, you can connect the, uh, the video mic go to to your phone, which in itself is awesome. And you can then, because the mic itself doesn't have any buttons on it, you can't change any settings, but yeah. you can then use the Rode software, uh, the app on the phone to change a lot of settings, which is wicked. Awesome idea, phenomenal. Uh, but I bought the wrong USB-C cable and it didn't power the mic. Tsk. Ticking, and so it didn't work. So, um, so what, yeah. what, did you, what did it need and what did you get? Can you remember? I just got a cheap USB-C cable. So basically I looked on, I looked on the Rode uh, website and the, the, the USB-C cable they were selling was like quite expensive. And then obviously I went to Amazon. And, uh, and so I, you know, I got a cheaper one cause I'm a cheapskate. And so, and then I probably, you know, wondering why, why it's not working, you know, and it's not, it's simply not powering the mic. That's all. Don't cheap out people. Cause again, one of the 
clever things, in a sense, about the Rode VideoMic Go 2 is the fact that it doesn't have a battery in it. So it's actually your device that's powering it, mm -hmm. which is very cool. I mean, you know, for, as somebody who's used the VideoMic Pro for many years, and, uh, you know, I've... But not only have, I mean, you know, we've been in situations where we're, where we're filming, you know, on set and before you know, the damn battery light goes red and you go, anybody got a nine volt battery? Oh, damn it. You know? No, no, exactly. no, nobody does. Unless exactly. you're a musician, you run pedals. Yes. Well, and even now I, I haven't, I haven't yeah. used a nine volt in years. Exactly. So that's, that is one thing. The other thing is also like the, the battery door on the, on the video mic pro has anyone got a smoke detector in yeah. the house it's like <laughs> it's such a pain in the backside to especially to shut again so you know you get your your fingers pinched and it's just not yeah not that well designed so um you know having a mic that sounds as good if not better that doesn't require any battery power is actually a godsend yeah yeah so if you're just using that mic um you know again as a you know as a zoom mic you know, or as a FaceTime mic, or use it on top of your camera or something like that. You don't need to power it. That's it. With a battery, it was just fantastic. And we're going to put those through its paces um, yes. at some point soon, right? Yeah, um, so the new the new video mic versus your classic, yeah, for example. Exactly. So we're we're gonna we're gonna do a number of things. So we've talked about the video mic go to um, in one of the previous episodes a few mm -hmm. weeks ago. So if you want to get some more info, you know, check that out. But uh, we're going to do a full on. Um, test of those in the not too distant future. So if you're interested in that, keep watching. Um, Good sound. So we've basically, right, so I said there are three Apple announcements then. There's the Apple M2 chip. Um, there is the uh, the slight, I don't know, you know, the, the slight argument with the EU. Uh, but there's also another announcement um, that I actually thought was really interesting. In fact, I thought it was even more interesting than the M2 thing. And that's the fact that Apple have announced that very soon the iPhone camera is going to get a new function, that which they call really? continuity camera. Right, I have not seen this at all. Right, okay, go so on. this is going to be cool. Um, which is why... I've been too busy the last sort of 24 right. hours to keep up with any of this. Go on. Which is why, possibly, the resolution on your laptop camera or on your webcam might become totally irrelevant because continuity camera is designed to allow an iPhone and a Mac OS to work together so that you can use your iPhone as a webcam. And so what it does is it basically means you can, uh, you can mount your iPhone on the screen and they've been working together with uh, some third party, um, you know, companies like Belkin, for example, to create different mounts. So you can basically mount your, your iPhone on your laptop screen. And then you can use your, um, not only can you use your, your iPhone camera as a webcam, and I'm talking the back camera, not the front camera, mm. I mean, or the front camera, whichever, whichever way you look at it. Well, not, the better cameras on the back. Not the, what they call the FaceTime camera. I mean, the, ba the better yeah, camera. The right? one. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it also, it has what they call desk view, which basically gives you an ultra ultra wide top down angle which um they say is super useful for like video presentations and stuff like that okay um it also has uh, you know handoff built-in which we already know from where, a number of different devices where was this at the start of the pandemic apple uh, i know right apple i know well this, this is a... I, I love this yeah, i love this and exactly for, for some weird reason it's never really crossed my well, mind so imagine use my phone as a webcam well i mean it has crossed my mind it did actually cross my mind weirdly purely coincidentally i was thinking about exactly that when i was sitting in germany with my 2011 whatever it is um macbook pro and a 720 webcam on it hey it looks great for a potato yes it did look great for a potato yeah. but you know the reality was of course you know i was in there with my old school macbook and you know we're, we're having to film these these uh this couple of episodes uh, in that way and you know um and had i had that functionality on on my iphone then that would have been very cool because it would have enhanced the visuals on my cycle it was it was interesting you know just by us um you know, being on the Zoom session and, you know, and comparing the image that you got sitting here and, you know, the quality of the image that I, that I got in, uh, in Germany on my, yeah. Is it 20, is it 2011? No, it's a 20, 
Yeah, it must be a 2011 or 2012. 2012, your laptop yeah. is, yeah. So, um, so it's yeah. the early, early 2012s before they got, they took that big leap. Yeah, they did, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, it's a 720 yeah. webcam anyway, isn't it? Even the webcam on my MacBook Pro, because uh, my previous MacBook Pro, which was a year before, I think, your iMac, Yes. So it's still yeah. Intel. It's one of those ones. Mm-hmm. Had I think it was a 720 on it, and it was crap. It was awful. So at the time, I was pandemic here. I thought I'm going to be. I'm on Zoom constantly at that point. So I got myself a third party um, webcam, 1080p mm-hmm. web webcam. Um, Belkin. Oh maybe? yeah, I remember actually. I remember. Yeah. Is it yeah. Belkin? Maybe it's. No, I forget. I, I forget exactly what it was now. Anyway, it's good. Hmm. It's really good. Highly recommended and used that and it's fine, worked well. But then when we started doing that session, just before we went live, I decided to, because I just put that on automatically, assuming it would be, be- would be better, mm. put it on. Oh, doesn't it looks all right. Mm. Well, let me just try the internal camera and I shifted it over the camera. And the, it, the built-in camera on the MacBook Pro was so much better. Right. So much better, clearer. Uh, the colours were more vibrant in the right way. Had mm. a, a, a much better contrast, and, yeah. and not overly contrast like you can some of these webcams do. I loved it, so I, I, I won't use yeah. unless I'm uh, connected to an external screen, which I often am, and I need to be on quickly. And then I've got that over the top. Uh, but, so I had the exact same experience when I switched from my old MacBook to you know, an iMac. Um, and there were two things. First of all, the camera on the iMac is a 1080 camera. It's, it's like, it's vastly, vastly superior to my old MacBook Pro, um, obviously. But also, it's a wider, mm-hmm. uh, it's a wider view. So when you're in a Zoom call, for example, it's like, it doesn't look like you're either touching the screen with your nose. You know, it's like, you're not, it's not a closely cropped headshot, but it's yeah. actually you got a much it, like wider kind of angle. Which that is, is good. That is nice. That yeah. is much nicer, isn't it? Um, I do think they're too wide. Hmm. Often, um, it certainly feels like it. I felt like my camera was quite wide, and I had to move myself in quite close to my screen to try and reduce a little bit of the. So <clears throat> that's. I, fi- I find it really useful because, you know, often in those kind of Zoom calls, and especially when it's like networking meetings or yeah. whatever, and you have some kind of Zoom background and you have some information on the Zoom background, like, you know, contact details or your business name or whatever, it's actually quite good if you're not as big in the screen because you have more real estate to put stuff yeah, on. Yeah, sure. You know, yeah. so in that yeah. respect, I've I've preferred that. So, when you know, and again, when I am in those kind of meetings um, and I see other people I had a meeting and, you know, you could tell who's using a laptop and who isn't basically just by looking at, you know, the angle um, and how much space they take up, you know, on the screen. Yeah, so, yeah. That's cool. so yes, it's really quite useful. But so that's, you know, I thought that was, for me, that was even, that a bit of Apple news was even more exciting than, than the M2 chip because, you know, I don't think I'll be upgrading my, um, my iMac or anything anytime soon, soon. No, you know? no. Maybe I'm thinking maybe about, in a year's time or something, but not yeah. just yet. Um, because basically there's, there's no need. No, that's it. And quick score update, because England are playing Germany right now, so we have uh, vested interest in this. <laughs> it's almost half-time. It looks like we're well into injury time, and it's still nil now. Oh, damn it. Just saying. Is it, a, what kind of, is it the kind of game where there's, you can have a tie or not? D- uh, this, yeah, you can. On no, this okay. one, this match, right. yeah. Right, it was a rare, rare occasion when I when I was in Germany recently, where I did watch um, a football match, and it was one of these, um, uh, you know. But you call it a football game, don't you? I probably did. Yeah, yeah, yeah I probably yeah. did. Go sports. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, well, I had a choice between a basketball game and, and a football match, and so for some reason, the football one. But um, but it's one of these, you know, where you go into extra time and then you go into like the penalty shootout afterwards, mm-hmm. which was which was quite, a, you know, it was thrilling. Yeah, the thriller in Manila. Yeah, 
Oh. Anyway. There we go. Yeah, so Germany. Well, I, I went to Germany. You've just come back from Santorini. Mm-hmm. I did. I did. And do you know what I did? Didn't do? Go to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go into... Well, no. So I took loads of holiday photos. Tons of them. Ton, I mean, loads. Loads yeah. and loads and loads. But I didn't go out of my way to take photos. Right. Okay. Right? Yeah. And there is a reason for it. And the reason was because, frankly, I just wanted to enjoy my holiday. It's my first time out of the country in mm -hmm. oh, yeah. two years or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, you know, I'm not wasting my time taking, going and spending half an hour setting up a good photo and oh, yeah. all of that, wait, waiting for the right, oh, whatever, all, all the usual shebang. And so I deliberately didn't take my travel tripod with me. Okay. I just took my cap, my R6 and a 35 mil. Okay. Nothing else. Good. I did take the, um, the new video mic with me. Okay. Just in case I had the opportunity to... <laughs> just in case you were going to vlog. To do something. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the opportunity didn't really present itself. And I was in... Frankly, I was in the moment and enjoying the company and having fun. You know, there's a lot to, there's a lot to be said for that. Um, and I know this because... But I've still come away with some cracking photos, actually. Yeah, but you know, I've had these conversations with my wife many times when we've gone somewhere. Because I think, you know, the, the reality is the minute you start thinking like a photographer when you're on holiday, especially with your partner or your wife or whatever you know your wife immediately turns into a photographer widow yeah you know it's, and, it's a problem for the people you're with yes, it really is and i can understand that that's not you know um that's that's maybe not the most pleasant thing you know um and so yeah i can understand that because that's you know i find that as well i mean that, that incidentally that's exactly why you know some a few years ago i i bought you know the little fuji x100f <laughs> For exactly the reason, because I didn't want to take, you know, uh, all my gear with me. I wanted to, you know, have a camera that's quick and easy, no no lenses to worry about, none none of the extra kerfuffle that you have to take and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Uh, something that you can actually use like a tourist in a way. Um, but that would still give me a little bit more, not flexibility necessarily, um, but it's just more fun to use, I think, you know, that's the yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, because I found exactly that whenever we went on like, you know, family outings or something, and I'd take, you know, my Nikon and a bunch of extra lenses and all that kind of stuff. Actually, that thing stayed in my backpack for most of the time. Yeah. You know, um, and then, you know, I sort of got to the point where I thought, like, well, why, why am I dragging this around with me, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I wanted something that's actually just more fun, you know? And that's the thing, that's the thing I love about Fuji's is, it's just the way they feel and the way they handle is so different from, you know, Nikon's. Although Nikon, have, you know, about a year ago they brought out um, a bit of a retro styled, um, uh, true, you know, crop true. sensor camera, which which um, which I'd be really interested in trying out as well for the yeah, same reason. You know, absolutely, like actual physical dials and all the rest of it. So that's you know, I'm, I, I totally did that. Um, and uh, and you know, it's difficult. In fact, I went. Um, only a couple of days ago, I went to the South Bank in London um, with my wife and my daughter, just on a day out. Um, we just thought, you know, we'll go into London on Saturday, spend a day at the South Bank. You know, it was like Jubilee stuff going on. And mm -hmm. um, we just thought we'd hang out. I, I've i just forgotten how much I love that area of London, that part of London, just along the river. You can just hang out. Oh, yeah. There's, you know, there's street performers, there's... I don't know, ice cream, you know, there's like different food stalls. There is a really awesome um, non-alcoholic um, cocktail van type of thing. Sounds awful. Oh, no, it's working, man. It's awesome. And then, of course, you know, you're you're by the river <laughs> and then you're also right by the Tate Modern. Mm -hmm. And so we did, you know, that's what we did. Basically, we uh, got out at Waterloo Station, you know, hung out at the South Bank, walked along the river, went to the Tate Modern, you know, had a cruise around there. Yeah. And... And all the while, I kind of thought, you know what? I take my Fuji with me. You know, if there's an opportunity um, to take some cool pictures, you know, maybe some street photo kind of stuff, then great. And um, and really, 
you know, you're there with like your wife and your family, you know, and you're, you know, it's not really the right time to take street photos. You know what I mean? No, it's not. But when we got to the Tate Modern, I did get some awesome shots. So it was worth it. I came back with something and I thought, well, this is cool. You know, and also I spent a lot of time, um, especially on the tube, um, redesigning some Fuji color um, presets, like some LUTs or whatever you call it. Um, and that was really super fun. And I, I kind of you know, came up with a, a black and white preset and, and a color preset that I really love. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah, so that are more street photography trips, I think, to come where I think I just want to focus on one of those. Mm. You know, it's a really contrasty black and white thing that I came up with. It looks awesome in almost every situation. It's really quite, yes, punchy, you know. Um, and then there's like a color profile, which has a real retro look to it. And it really emphasizes the blues, which I typically never do. So anybody who looks at uh, my color editing, I tend to desaturate the blues. Right. Um and, but not with this one. This one has just a really beautiful way of rendering the blues. So it's. Have you moved the blues to more of the um, sort of teal, aqua kind of uh, tiny, range? Because that that always feels very yeah. retro and vintage. Yeah, a tiny little bit. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's basically. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a combination of different things, um, and. So there's a little bit of that, but not too much. But it's also, um, it's ba it's basically mainly sort of a combination of boosting the blues a little bit, um, but also um, setting the white balance much warmer than you would ordinarily do. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, and actually I started out with about 10,000 Kelvin. Um, and then I sort of dialed that down a little bit to probably about 6,000, 7,000, something like that. Mm -hmm. And that's the sort of base setting um, for, as far as the white balance is concerned for that. And so everything is just warm, you know, but the blues are punchy. It's got a really cool kind of retro look. And, and actually it doesn't, it doesn't make the skin tones look ugly. And that's because I was experimenting with sort of different ways of getting this retro look. But what I found is, you know, it'll look great on buildings. You know, or like, you know, where you have some sky and you've got some concrete and stuff, it looked awesome. Um, and even with greens, like with trees or foliage or something, it still looked good. Uh, but then as soon as you had people in the in the image, the skin tones look really off. So mm. it was just kind of getting that sort of balance that you can basically use it, you know, no matter whether you have people in the image or or not. You know, it was that kind of just getting the balance right. And it's, it took a little bit of just sort of experimenting. Um, and so... I think what, you know, what I'm looking forward to is actually just going into town maybe and just, just literally just for the purpose of doing some street photography and then maybe just focusing on the black and white um, idea and then another day, completely separate day, just focusing on a, on a color idea. You Did know. you find that as you were creating that, that you had, um, that you, you found that it works in better in certain circumstances that um you know uh what's the best way to phrase this like um where your exposure is nailed on Ooh, okay in a certain way or it's slightly underexposed or whatever it might be yeah so okay so that was actually that was a consideration so there were really two considerations there this is this is true uh, for the black and white uh, color profile and for the for the color profile and was there were two considerations one i, I needed to work i wanted it to work uh, whether there were people in the picture or not mm -hmm. so that was one thing and the other thing was uh, i wanted it to work almost regardless mm. of whether you were perfectly exposed slightly under or slightly over mm -hmm. um because some you know there, there are a lot of like black and white um profiles that work really well when you're like a stopover or half a stopover or something like that um, and then they really fall apart when you have a stop under, right? So, you, you know what I mean? It's And then others that really only work when you're pretty much bang on. And then as soon as, you know, as soon as you go half a stop over, you're, the thing just doesn't look great anymore. So um, a lot of the profiles that I've come across are really quite specific. And it's difficult, isn't it? Because if you've already got 
a raw, a high contrast raw image where, ah, you know, okay. or you've got a quite a flat image, depending on what, what you're photographing. Yeah. Um, how does that, so, how does that come Okay, so the other consideration was that I wanted it, I wanted to shoot a JPEG. So this mm -hmm. was, the idea was to create something that requires little to no post-production. Literally like, I mean, I mean, really like a film uh, simulation type of thing mm. that basically allows you to shoot in JPEG so that straight out of camera, you get these really gorgeous tones, you know? Um, so that was, that was the idea because my thinking was if I'm taking this camera and I'm going out and I'm doing some street photography, you know, and I'm trying to you know, I'm thinking about composition and this and the other. I mean, really, I, what I actually don't want to do is then go and edit or spend lots of time editing and, mm -hmm. you know, afterwards. So I wanted to find something that was that was actually going to be cool so that I c could reasonably shoot in JPEG. Because, you know, remember, I mean, even in JPEG, you have some flexibility. This is, it doesn't mean you can't add them afterwards, you know. And, yeah, it's always stuff like maybe you want to retouch out or something like that, you know, whatever. Yeah, sure. But, you know, in principle, something that would give me a look across a whole series of photographs. So, if, you know, if you imagine you went, like, imagine you go into town, you want to do some street photography, and you take, I don't know, 200 pictures, let's say, right? For argument's sake. And you want all of those to look like they belong together in terms of tonality, you know, and in terms of, color, you know, and, and so, so that you don't have to actually go in and slap another look on it and, and edit every individual image or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and depending on how you set the uh, these color profiles up, you know, um, you, you can really either make that spectrum really narrow so that it really only works in a very specific circumstances. Um, take, for instance, like a lot of um, portrait type of, color profiles they'll really only work with with a person in the, in the photo as soon as you shoot anything that's not a person it looks shit yeah, yeah. you know um, and yeah. likewise they're like things you know black and white um you know uh profiles that are great on architecture but the minute you put a person in there it just all falls apart yeah so it was just kind of finding that um that sort of balance and i tell you what actually is it's really useful for and of course i'm talking specifically fuji here although anything that i've just said, of course, in a sense, can apply to any brand mm -hmm. of camera. But of course, but the reason why this is um, very Fuji specific is because I started out with a really cool app called Fuji Weekly. Okay, it's an app okay. I found actually some years ago, and um, and what that does. So uh, sorry, it's called Fuji X Weekly. So if you if you are a Fuji shooter, um, you can just go into the Apple. Um, app store and look for Fuji X Weekly. And what it really is, it's a website um, of people who develop um, Fuji color profiles, right? And you can use them across, um, actually across all, you know, Fuji cameras, basically. Um, so, and I say that with a caveat because it depends on what processor is in the, in the camera. So for instance, uh, of course. so, uh, you know, some color profiles work only with specific processors. And other profiles work across a number of, of processes and so on and so forth. So that's you just got to be a little bit careful with that. So my um, my camera is a Fuji X100F, which is um, not the most recent model, but the one before that. Mm -hmm. So that has uh, the X-Trans 3 processor in there, whilst the, um, the Fuji V X100V has the X-Trans 4 processor in it. So and, it, and what I've done is they've changed um, some of the some of the parameters you can set in those profiles. And so basically um, a, a color profile that was created originally for the X-Trans 4 processor won't necessarily work on the X-Trans 3. Okay. You're going to have to make some adjustments there. That makes sense. Um, and it, it won't necessarily look 100% the same. Um, but what's really cool about this app is actually there's a really a massive list of different profiles that either emulate different types of film or, or stuff like that. And, you know, a different whether they're, you know, um, yeah, so you've like 
simulating Aqua Vista 100 or a Porter 200 or Kodak, Kodak uh, Porter 800 films or whatever it may be. So lots of different, different things that you can use as a starting point. And I found that really, really useful. And what's cool is it basically comes with some example pictures as well. So it gives you an idea as to what that's going to look like. And then you've got all the different settings in there. And then ah. it tells you also which cameras, which processor, which sensor, and which, uh, I should say sensor rather than processor, uh, and which camera models you can use that with. So that's a really useful little thing. So what I literally did was, you know, I went in, I had a look through um, a number of different uh, color profiles in here. And, and then I, I used it as a starting point. And I found that really, really useful because you can experiment with different things and you can really see how different they are. I mean, you look at this one here, Provia 400, you know, the blues are really quite strong. Yep. Um, but then you look at some other ones, you can see the blues look much more tealy in these yep. ones, right? Um, and that's a really great way to, um, beautiful. <laughs> the, the Kodachrome is just, love it. I, I love the blues in Kodachrome just generally. But, um, but yeah, so it's a really great way to, to get started. So if you do have um, a Fuji camera, if you're a Fuji shooter, you know, check out Fuji X Weekly. I wonder if there are apps for other brands. That's a, that's a very good question. I don't know. I'd be surprised if there aren't, if they've done it for Fuji. People yeah. have done it for Fuji. It's a super um, awesome idea. I mean, Fuji X Weekly is actually a website. And um, and so they've just, you know, they've just basically brought this app, mm. which is essentially just Cracking a collection. Idea. And it's not that you download these profiles and then upload them onto your camera and saying it's basically just gives you the settings yeah. and you literally just go into your menu and then you set, um, you know, you've got, you've got user presets basically in your Fuji and you just um, set them up. And how many, how many user presets can you save? I guess I mean, it depends on the camera on the X100F, no, okay. um, it's seven. Okay. It's not too bad, is it? No, it really isn't. I mean, it's, it's fine. You know, I typically, um, I, I mean, I typically use two I have like a black and white um, preset and a, and a, and a color mm. preset that I like. Makes sense. Although, no, actually, no, that's not true. I, I usually have three uh, because I also have a video mm -hmm. preset. Um, and that's for basically the rare occasion when I when I do use my uh, Fuji X. For the 12 so. minutes that you can get out of it. Well, I mean, in fact, you know, when we went to, um, <laughs> when we met, yeah, well, yeah, that's it. <laughs> when we met with uh, Dave Williams, um, back in Wales, I shot a lot of the behind the scenes stuff yeah. with that. And and yeah. to be honest, again, the idea is, you know, if I can make it look cool straight out of camera, then I don't really have to do that much editing. Um, and really for that, it's great. That's absolutely, if, if you don't, if you can't shoot log or you don't shoot log or yes. don't want to shoot log, that is absolutely exactly. the right thing to do. You get it looking as good as you can in camera with whatever yeah. profile makes sense for you. Exactly. And with that, you know, the reason why I decided I wanted to make those JPEGs look good, right? We should get, we should get a t-shirt. I shoot JPEG. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't usually shoot JPEG, but for this, in this situation, because the thing is when you're, um, so the Fujis work really well when they connect to your phone and you can transfer, you know, photos to your phone, which is awesome because then you can, you know, work on them in um, Lightroom Mobile or something like that. Mm -hmm. However, that only works with JPEGs. So when I know I'm going out and I might want to do some, some quick, you know, quick editing on, on my phone, um, always make sure that I at least shoot RAW plus JPEG. Always, yeah. You know, and to be honest, that's actually, that's what I do all the time anyway. So even when I went on my little London trip the other day, you know, I did shoot jaw plus ray pack, uh, jaw plus, jaw plus ray pack. Come on, one more time. Raw plus, whew, raw plus, this is, this is more ray He's pack. had half a beer. I've had half a beer. <laughs> um, it just, you know, because it's that kind of safety, safety net. Um, yeah. But that made me think that the next time we go out on a little street photography trip, I'm going to cut that safety net. I'm literally only going to go JPEG and I'm literally only going to go worth it. one preset. It's the only it. way you're going to fully explore these presets yeah. properly and understand its limitations. Yeah, absolutely. Right? 
And it, it's it's funny, for the first time with the R6, I was transferring photos to my phone while I was in Santorini. Oh, yeah. And doing some edits on Lightroom Mobile. Oh. Um, or mobile, depending on where you are in the world. Yeah. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it. But it on your phone... I couldn't really tell much difference, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. It's only when I got back and imported everything properly that I could see the difference in flexibility that I had. Yeah. Um, because for precisely the reason you just described, mm. JPEG versus yeah. RAW. Now, the what I got from the JPEGs was actually great. Absolutely, 100%. Was, it was great. Definitely. And I'm using the faithful... It's called Faithful, um, the picture profile on the R6 right now. Because the others, I felt, haven't quite given me something I like the look of at all. Yeah. So I thought for a JPEG perspective, that that was it. And it looked, sure. it, it looked closer to what I... It, it felt more natural, yeah. which makes sense. Faithful, right? Yeah. Yeah, so really, I mean, it really depends on, you know, what you want to achieve, really. Um, I think, you know, what what I was trying to do was really to just get really like a film-like look, you know? Um, and so I wanted to stylize the images um, d- d- to quite a degree um, because the, the built-in um, film su- uh, simulations in um, in the Fuji are, are actually really good. Yeah. You know, the ProVR and, uh, um, and the, the monochrome and the, um, I forget, the Colochrome and stuff like that. The Colochrome is probably one of the best ones. Um, they're all really, really good. It's just like it's just because you have the flexibility of actually adding stuff to them, yeah. And um, so you can really start to, in a weird way, you know, because the camera feels like a film camera, and it looks like a film camera, mm-hmm. and you sort of almost want the end result to look like it was shot on film in a weird way, right? Although yeah. you're doing it on a digital, you know, medium. Um, so it's just a bit of strive for with every little bit of film, actual filming that I do. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's a bit of, I want to look digital. It looks rubbish. It's a bit of like vintage retro. I mean, like, I mean, it depends on the, on the application. Of course, we're talking about, this is really, you know, we're talking about fun photography, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of course, in, in a lot of more professional settings, you know, of course, the thinking is a completely different one. You know, you know, we've talked about this many times, um, with a lot of stuff that I do, for example, I always I shoot for the for the edit. So I know yeah. what I need it to be so that I have maximum flexibility in post-production. That's a whole, that's a different way of shooting. It the is. images don't necessarily look amazing straight out of camera, yeah. but I shoot them in a very particular way because I know that I have that flexibility later on because I already know what I'm going to do with it in post, you know, and, um, and that's, that's really the polar opposite of, of what I was trying to do, um, you know, by setting up these, these kind of color profiles. Absolutely. So it's Absolutely. a fun thing. It's a fun thing. You know, I mean, I urge anybody, if you want to inject some fun back into your photography, you know, mm. um, you know, try out something like that. Something that's a little bit different from what you'd normally do. Absolutely. You know. Yeah, I love uh, it. I love the idea of doing that. I've never really messed around mm. uh, doing too much of that because I've never really used my JPEGs all that much. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a, it's a great thing to be doing, particularly, you know, if you're looking at the back of your camera on your screen, what's that showing you when you've taken a picture? Oh, it's a JPEG. Yeah, it's I mean, showing you it. the JPEG, right? Exactly. Yeah. So you may as well have that showing you as close to what you want it to look like to begin with, to yeah. know whether you're you're in the right ballpark with your your settings and, and your... And, you know, the, the fun thing about this is, is that when I when I looked at the images on the back of the screen, I actually thought, they look good, yeah, they look really cool, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then when I imported them onto my phone, they look really good. Yeah. And, you know, at that point, I kind of thought, wow, these JPEGs actually... It's it's funny, isn't it? I, I was yeah. in... Um, so I went to the um, pageant Jubilee thing on Sunday in central London. Oh, did you? Yeah, the mili- see, military going around. Did and you all see the, Queen? That was the party in the, par- oh. uh, pa- uh, party in the palace the night before. Paula oh. went to that, though. Oh, right. She okay. was right in front. Yeah. Cool. Now, oh, so lucky. 
And um, one of the things, you know, I was in, in, importing um, sort of photos onto my phone here and there while I was on, uh, you know, the, the pageant thing on the Sunday. And I've completely forgotten where I was going with this. What did you just say? Queen? No, before that? Uh, no idea. Where was I going with this? I don't know, JPEGs? I don't know. <laughs> I've totally forgotten. I've completely lost my train of thought. Completely lost it. Anyway. Right. So that's that's an example of, of the black and white profile. Lovely. And we'll, we'll put that on the screen for those of you who are watching us on YouTube. We might. So we might. We'll see. Um, again, I'm really liking the kind of contrastiness of it. And... Uh, the fact that the whites are just ever so slightly gray, but then the colors on that color, see that blue? Mm. That's. And what I'm looking at, are they before any editing? That's There's no editing. That's that. just that. Um... Straight out of camera. So this is a really good example of, of the color, just the straight out of camera. There's no editing on this whatsoever. I just love the tones. Yeah. You know, and it's, there's just something about a, that. A bit of basic yeah, editing, right? A, you know, and I'm talking just exposure and contrast and... Yeah. Uh, there's just something about... There's just something very pleasing about these blues. Yeah. You know. Yeah, there are. Um, uh, uh, and that feels like the blues I was talking about that have just been moved ever so slightly towards... Um, the the teal range, but yeah. just I mean, and I'm talking Minim it is ever so minimally, slightly, right? Yeah, and you're kind of crunching the the highlights a little bit, so the whites yep. go into that very light gray almost. Yeah. Uh, did you push any kind of orange yellow into the highlights at all? Um, orange yellow, or is it red that you normally uh, magenta that you oh, normally push into? Okay, so no, I what I tend to do um, a lot um, is I push reds into the shadows. Reds into the shadows. Um, okay. That's you were in, I think was it in the last episode we we're talking about car photography. So that's that was you know how um, I dealt with that look. Basically, that had that mm -hmm. had some red tones in the shadows, um, and there's something that happens to the blacks when you're just increasing the red content just a tiny little bit. Yeah, and again, this is really something that it's like I mentioned earlier. For me personally, that works really well when you're looking at cars or objects, you know, and it gives it a slight retro vibe and, you know, I, for the lack of a better word, a slight filmic look or something. Um, it doesn't really work very well when you have skin tones in the image, mm. you know? Mm. So I think the that for me is, that's sort of one of those things There's a very, you know, these, these sort of uh, editing techniques are very specific to your subject. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, you know, typically with 99.9% .9 of the stuff that I shoot, I desaturate the blues, you know, normally um, for just about anything. Um, you know, denim, which as we know, I love. Um, you know, <sighs> denim actually looks so much better when you start to desaturate the, the blues and bring up um, the mid-range contrast a little right. bit. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you get something that looks really, uh, that has texture, you know, and it has punch, you know, and all that kind of stuff. See, that kind of punch doesn't look good with too much saturation in that particular, it doesn't, it, it, it kind of, it almost becomes offensive. Well, exactly. No, it does. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know, at the minute you have, you wear multiple items of denim or, or not necessarily even wear multiple items of denim. No, no, no. Hang on, hang on, hang on. No one else in this world wears multiple items of denim at once other than you. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Um, but even if there's multiple like tone, tones of blue in the image, like let's say you have two people, one of them was wearing like a denim shirt, the other was wearing denim pants or something, right? So um, th <laughs> you know, those blues are slightly different. Or yeah. even that sky in the, in, the, in the image as well. So all these tones of blues are slightly different. And so, you know, if you were to saturate that, um, it would just look horrible, right? In my yeah, view, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So by desaturating the blues, um, you're you're taking 
some color out of the sky, of course, but you're sort of emphasizing anything else that's happening in the sky, like clouds, for example, yeah. or whatever. And you're, you're sort of almost like creating some more contrast there. Um, and and then as far as denim in particular is concerned, for me personally, denim is one of my favorite um, materials to photograph. I love photographing denim. Um, there's just so much texture in that, you know, and that micro contrast or whatever, yeah, that it's, yeah. it just, your denim looks good on anybody in a photograph. Yeah, I question that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, just because you desaturate the blues in, in general, doesn't mean that you can't bring it back in other areas of the, of the photo, right? Oh, no, With could, a, of course, of course you could, any yeah. kind of mask. And, yeah. you know, there are circumstances where actually desaturating is the right thing to do, True. but bringing them back in, it might be the sky is really important to your photo oh. and actually desaturating them is the wrong thing for sure. to do, potentially. The, the best thing, in my view anyway, about desaturating the blues, though, is that it has zero impact on the skin tones. Here's a question. For, right, ah, yes, absolutely. So, you know, no matter what, because the minute you start um, desaturating oranges or yellows or reds, uh, it, it immediately has an effect on the skin tones because these are the, the tones that you find in human skin, yeah. regardless of your race or creed or whatever, right? Um, it doesn't matter whether you're, you know, uh, European or African or whatever, or Asian or what, whatnot. Um, it's our human skin tones are very close together on the color wheel. Yeah. Very, very close yeah, together. Yeah. So they all sit in the orange range, essentially. And so by desaturating the oranges, the yellows and the reds, you will immediately see an impact on the, on the skin tone. Oh, yeah. Blues, on the other hand, don't do that. Because there's literally zero blue tones in yeah. somebody's skin, which is why, of course, um, blue screens are used in compositing in film. That's right. You know, and uh, really, as far as I remember, um, it's only because of the prevalence of denim, actually, that I switched to green screen because people wear a lot of blues. So it's, that kind of sucked, you know. But as far as skin tone is concerned, um, it's, it's, you know, desaturating blues is a really safe bet because... Yeah. You know, in a portrait situation where you have a person in the picture sort of thing. And so um, that's just a look that I personally like. Uh, this is total personal preference, by the way. So, you know, try it out if you are if you haven't. Um, maybe you agree. You know, maybe that's something that you do. Or, or maybe you disagree. And that's cool because obviously everybody's got a different style. And people have different preferences. And that's perfectly awesome. Yeah. You know. 100%. Um, they are... There's a really stylized um, shots I saw the other day that are really punchy and really, really colorful um, that I also love, but that's just not my style, I guess. No. No, no, no. Well, style of preference, either style, I don't know. Yeah. Either preference. Skin tone is interesting. Um, you know, when you're starting out, you're, your automatic assumption is that different um, colored skin will fall differently. Yeah, on the color wheel. And yeah, the reality is, it's, it's, it's not, not what happens, right? <laughs> yes, you'd be really surprised. You know, it's, right. and that is why there is a very specific skin tone line on a vector scope for video. Correct. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, you know, because it all falls there. And that's pretty much because, guess what we've all got inside us? Blood. <laughs> skin. <laughs> and actual skin. Yeah. The pigment really doesn't make any much difference at all. Like, if any. Yeah, surprising. Right? Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it's, that's just, there you go. Hmm. Two pennies. <laughs> that's it. We love those. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was, uh, that was, that was interesting. Anyway, interesting experience. So, you know, question for you, if you're listening, if you made it this far, you might as well answer this question. Um, are you shooting JPEG? Or are you uh, shooting RAW? Are you occasionally shooting JPEG? You know, maybe when you're taking your camera out, you know, for, on family occasions or something like that. Or are you always shooting RAW because you always want to have the flexibility of maximum, you know, editability um, after the fact. Editability. Um, editability. Must be a word. Is now. Yeah. So, uh, you know, let us know. Or you can get in touch, you know, send us a message on um, Instagram or uh, Facebook or TikTok, um, you'll find us there. Oh my, I find us there. So, 
again, you know, if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, you know, be reminded that we are also in YouTube. We're in YouTube on YouTube, <laughs> where you can not only listen to our sultry voices, but see our lovely faces in full Technicolor. Um, if this podcast was too long for you to follow on YouTube, then be reminded that we're also on all the audio platforms where you can listen to our lovely voices in the car. Tommy. Tommy. Oh, I haven't said his name for a while. <laughs> yes. Welcome back, Tommy. Welcome back, Tommy. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, well, that being said, we've come to the end of episode 108 of the Camera Strike Podcast. Uh, remember, you know, send us send us a message. Always great to hear from you. We've had some really nice messages over yeah. the last couple of weeks. Uh, we're able to uh, give some technical assistance, which is always good. Absolutely. Um, hopefully that'll help y'all. And um, yeah. We'll Was that y'all? Y'all. 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 See y'all again next week. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.